I was talking to a company recently and they were so excited about the idea of being able to use the user-facing cameras to detect the emotion of the people as they're actually doing their work. <laughs> you know, that's the kind of thing. You must be I know, kidding. Well, that's the kind of thing where it's like, the path to hell is paved with good intentions. Innovation Rockstars. Innovation Rockstars. In this episode, we are thrilled to welcome Leslie Shannon, Head of Trend and Innovation Scouting at Nokia. Hi, and welcome back to Innovation Rockstars. My name is Chris Muroth, and in this episode, I'm excited to welcome Leslie, Leslie Shannon. About Leslie, she is head of uh, Trend and Innovation Scouting. And what I learned is, so you are a Silicon Valley-based Novophiliac. That should be someone who's in love with the new. Pretty interesting. So what I learned is you basically, you know, spend your time looking at emerging tech and how this is going to change our lives, maybe even looking for the next Nokia moment. Let's see. And also, uh, you know, we have to talk about this. I found this on your socials. Uh, I found that you are doing your daily fitness work in virtual reality. So, you know, let's discuss. Is that true? And if so, how? <laughs> but anyways, thanks a lot for joining us. It's a pleasure having you on the show. Thank you so much, Chris. It's lovely to be here. All right, so we start straight away, as always, with a short 60 seconds intro sprint. Uh, that's all about you, your career, your current role. So for the next minute, 60 seconds, the stage is all yours. Let's go. Okay, so Leslie Shannon, um, I actually started my career um, working in mobile phone uh, billing technology, so database work, but I joined Nokia in um, 2000. Um, uh, in Australia, actually. And I was a developer manager in very early days, in the WAP days, so bringing applications to the market in WAP. And those were great times because we would just sit around and go, what should we build? Okay, let's go build it. It was, it was, it was wonderful. But um, in the last eight years, I have been based in Silicon Valley, as you mentioned. And here my role is looking for innovations from outside the world of telecommunications, because of course at Nokia, we sold the mobile phone business more than 10 years ago. And, um, and what we do is we provide, we're business to business providing network connectivity. So we provide the equipment um, and the software for phone companies to build their networks. So I'm looking at new technologies to help our phone company customers build the right networks to support what's coming. So I'm looking at the things that are going to be very popular five to 10 years from now, including augmented reality, virtual reality, AI of all kinds, especially including generative AI, and um, uh, drones, robotics, you name it, all of these things. And, and I look at them all together, which is a very exciting thing to be doing. I, I believe that, and there is a lot of buzz around these topics right now, so I'm really looking forward to dive into that and also discuss some real-world use cases. But before we do that, I do have uh, three-sentence starters for you, Leslie, and uh, I would like to ask you to complete those sentences. So I start the sentence and you complete. Uh, number one goes like this. Uh, one thing that excites me about the future of technology is... The democratization of computing, particularly through generative AI, mm. natural language processing, giving the power to do deep queries into databases by anyone, not just the data scientists. This is, this is really transformational on the level of the next internet. 
Yeah, so the aspect is about democratization. That's that's pretty interesting. Okay, I'll take a note, a mental note. Uh, number two, sentence number two, a challenging aspect of innovation scouting that most people do not realize is the need to always question your own assumptions mm -hmm. to, you know, if you if you see something and then you make a prediction about it to not get so married to that prediction that you that you are unable to see that it's not coming true <laughs> to always be bringing in new information and reevaluating what you have been concluding based on new information and having the humility to let go incorrect assumptions that you've made. All right, because if it's about the future, the probability is actually pretty high that one might be wrong. Absolutely. No, that, and so you have to be ready true. to be wrong. <laughs> yes, ready to be wrong. That's nice. Could also be, you know, the name of a new band or something. Or, I, don't know. I like yeah. it. Anyways, I like it. <laughs> yeah, let's do that. Uh, again, mental note. Okay, all right. And finally, uh, Leslie, if you could change one thing about the tech industry, what would that be? It would be to make it more inclusive of not just... Um, diversity in terms of ethnicity, but also age and gender. Mm -hmm. um, one thing that I find in Silicon Valley is a real problem is the fact that I am mm -hmm. female, I am older, and I don't have an engineering degree. And, um, and those three things make me essentially invisible. Mm -hmm. So I'm very lucky that I work for a company, Nokia, which is a European company, which sees my worth, because I have to say that most Silicon Valley companies do not. Yeah. yeah. Or would not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's it's very um it's it's very young male in a hoodie um with an engineering degree yeah. focused here. Yeah. And I think and they the yeah, thing. they're cutting yeah. themselves off from lots of voices. That's yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. They do. Yeah. They do. Totally totally agree. And uh you okay, we we started around about we are XR, we could also, you know, talk about the metaverse. And there are a lot of ideas, buzz discussions around you know these topics right now. And I think a lot of the perception in the public mind is driven, for example, by some early versions of you know Mark Zuckerberg's Meta, the idea of the metaverse. You know the the highly disturbing images with you know body halves, bright colors, graphics that look like you know a next version of Second Life, which I used to you know um, um, try out decades ago. I think. So let, let's talk about, you know, that and also, you know, industrial metaverse, enterprise metaverse, enterprise use cases for VR, XR. And let's dive into that. Let's start with the metaverse and the metaverse at work. What is it? Is it just a hype? Is there something real about it? What, what, what do you see? Well, first of all, we need to define what, we're, what we mean when we're talking about the word metaverse. And, and in mm. fact, um, before the company Meta changed its name to Meta in 2021, um, the term that was used in the industry is spatial computing. And I think that's actually more, mm -hmm. a more accurate um, thing because it's, it's about the fusion of the digital and the physical. And, and if you're in, so, and so that includes virtual reality, which is a fully digital experience, but also extremely importantly, augmented reality, which is more of that mm -hmm. digital, physical, physical combination. And, um, and then Meta came in and they started talking about the metaverse um, and changing their name and muddying the waters. People are like, well, is the metaverse just from the company Meta? And, you know, no, not so much. Right. And I yeah. think it's quite telling that, um, that Apple in their Vision Pro launch, they did not use the word metaverse once. They went back to the term spatial computing. And, and, and so we're really seeing that a lot in, in the industry. But, but, but speaking, you asked about the industrial side of things. 
And so mm-hmm. just to give some examples of the concrete nature of this is, um, uh, and, and, and the re- there's a strong reason why the industrial metaverse is there first, and it's because mm-hmm. you need some kind of a viewer, something to look through to actually do that combining of the digital and the physical. And, and you know, you can do that through PCs a lot, but if we're talking about something where you really are increasing productivity, you're really talking about a headset where you can have digital inclusions into what you're seeing while leaving both hands free to do work. Mm-hmm. And, and on the consumer side, we do not have glasses with that form factor where you're going to wear something out and you're going to, you know, we're, we're still, the physics for that, we're still looking at like 2027 20, and beyond for that. But in the industrial metaverse, where it's totally acceptable to put something kind of heavy and clunky with a short mm-hmm. battery life on your head now in order to do a task where you have both hands free and you're getting assistance for that task. That is just fine right now, and that is why the industrial metaverse is flourishing first. It's because of the, the, the evolution um, steps of the hardware. And, and so, um, so in virtual reality, we're seeing all kinds of training scenarios, um, any kind of training that is dirty, difficult, dangerous, or expensive mm-hmm. is far better done in virtual reality than in the physical world. And so that's really taken off. And then, and, and, and there's much more, but I'll just kind of, you know, that's, that's kind of the key use case. On the augmented reality side, the ability to get some kind of assistance or guidance through some visual um, overlay onto what you're seeing while you have both hands free. That's the magic power that augmented reality gives you. And, and so we have many different flavors of that. We have, you know, experts being able to see what you see and then maybe use their computer to draw a circle in your visual field to highlight a particular part. Yeah, that's the part we're talking about. Or being able to see an overlay of how the wiring diagram is that you're trying to build to make sure that you get it right mm. the first time. Or just as simple as being able to pull up pages from an instruction manual in your visual field as you're doing a task. All of these are out there in industry today and are being widely used. And in fact, Nokia and EY, we did a survey of companies um, around the industrial metaverse that came out in June. It's called the Metaverse at Work. If you're interested in this field, I highly recommend that you Google it because this is a really good study. And so what we did was we looked at four different industries, automotive, manufacturing, logistics, and utilities. Yeah, that's it. Utilities is the last one. And we asked companies in these fields, are you planning to implement some kind of augmented reality or virtual reality um, thing? And with some variation, the answer was somewhere between 40 and 50% um, for, mm-hmm. of the companies we mm-hmm. talked to. And then we said, okay, well, have you already done anything at all? And there, it was about 10% of the companies we talked to had already built something. So, you know, which early days, you know. And then we asked, what business benefits have you found as a result of it? And the results were just completely mind-blowing. Productivity gains, sustainability gains, faster time to market, and the most notable, and, and, and many more, but the most notable thing was that companies that had already implemented something in the VR or the AR space, um, you know, regardless of the use case, regardless of the actual implementation, the business gains they had realized was in every case greater than the business gains they expected before they launched 
the product, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So they were surprised by the by the business gains they actually experienced. Right, they were surprised. Uh -huh. They were more effective uh -huh. than they expected. I have been yeah. in new technology, the field of new technology for 25 years. I have never seen this before. And so, because usually there's a lot of hype about a new technology and then you try it and you're like, well, okay. I mean, yeah, I can see, yeah, they're mostly, yeah. But, but the actual experience is quite often a disappointment. In VR and AR experiences in the industrial metaverse, the business benefits they are delivering exceeds expectations every time. This stuff is magic. Yeah, yeah. So, okay, that, that is, of course, an impressive, uh, you know, study and also outcomes of a study um, done with AI, uh, with EY. And in any case, uh, yes, we'll make sure to link this in the show notes of this episode so everybody who's interested, Ooh, obviously, excellent. can find this on Nokia.com slash and then, you know, the, the URL. So we'll do that. Um, did, did you also um, look into potential future applications in the metaverse? Like how would it evolve in the next five to 10 years? Was that also part of the study or is this something that's more part of your you know, personal uh, work and research? Yeah, that's more my personal work and research. We were, yeah. because there is such a, um, the, where the metaverse is right now, um, the spatial internet is right now, it's the equivalent of the internet in 1993. It's, it's mm -hmm. we have this idea that there's something there and and there's companies who are working on it but if you ask us what it can do for us it's it's all grounded in what we know now and mm -hmm. and so so in 1993 if you ask somebody what can you do with the internet you might say well you might you can look up movie times and send mails to people and go into chat rooms and all of that's true but that totally misses the really transformational nature of the internet which really particularly came about with the mobile internet and with a confluence of technology. So the mobile internet plus location plus payments, and now you have Uber. And, and so, mm -hmm. so these are the kinds of things that are like, you know, the real disruptive stuff um, are, are still, you know, probably as much as a decade away. And so the mm -hmm. what we're doing mm -hmm. right now in the metaverse is building the infrastructure. This is, and, and in a way, again, Mark Zuckerberg, you know, I, I love the investment he's made into the Oculus headset. It's a great headset. But mm -hmm. by shining a light on this whole industry, by changing the company name to Meta, he's shown the light a little too early because we are still mm -hmm. building the infrastructure. And we have this idea that it's going to be something useful and it's going to be something three-dimensional and something about our physical world and, and digital stuff. But we can't imagine exactly what that transformation is going to be. Th that's interesting, but you know, um, aren't we then running into a solution seeks problem situation? Because yes, we're building infrastructure, we're making huge investments. I mean, obviously, you know, billions over billions, and we have some ideas about how this could play out. And the EY, EY study, I guess, is a good example of the potential, you know, corporate or enterprise benefits. But you know, is, isn't investing super risky if you don't really know what you're going to do with this in the future? Well, actually, let me clarify. The benefits today are clear, mm -hmm. um, and they are on the industrial side because that's where the hardware is, and and so and so mm -hmm. and where and the hardware companies are working hard to solve physics problems, um, to be able to mm -hmm. and to bring consumer-grade augmented reality headsets to the public. And as I said, HTC has estimated that 2027 is kind of, yeah. 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 And there's some things that need to be done on the network side as that as well. Um, and we're, you know, working on those kinds of things too. So, um, and so we have, but we can see in the existing industrial um, and enterprise metaverse, 
the benefits that are happening there and the measurable benefits that are there. But what happens, so what, let me, I should be more clear, what, the big question mark is what happens when this functionality comes out into the everyday life of all the people on the planet through much mm-hmm. more um, affordable and uh, uh, widely available and and stylish looking and light and you know the you know ta-da you know the 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 platonic ideal of the AR headset yes. once that comes and all of this gets unleashed into consumers that's actually yeah. going to be the very interesting yeah. thing um, when we look at the development of mobile phones the first mobile phones were heavy and clunky and only really mm-hmm. people only really carried them to do their jobs they were really an enterprise product and it was over time the phones slimmed down gained more functionality and slowly morphed over the course of about a decade into consumer devices. And that's really what we're expecting to see in the XR and AR headset market. And, and so, so it's, it's, um, I, uh, I think it's right to, to say, what is this all for? But given the way that things developed in the mobile phone market, um, I think it's also, it's a pretty safe bet to get in there and start shaping it because this thing is going to be huge. Understand? Okay, that that makes a lot of sense. And what 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 was Nokia's role in the metaverse? Um, can, can we talk about that? So obviously you did that study, and that's super, you know, very powerful, and also gets very helpful to understand again enterprise and industrial use cases of that and the the benefits. Um, what what specifically is Nokia doing in this space? And obviously, you don't have to share anything that's confidential. Right. <laughs> no numbers for sure, right? But uh, you know, just just interested and curious um, to to understand that. Yeah, where we are really focused is um, is on the connectivity side of things, and and it's and it's really easy to forget or to not be aware that connectivity really plays a part here. Mm-hmm. Um, but just even today. Uh, one of the major causes of nausea in VR headsets is bad Wi-Fi. If you don't have strong enough Wi-Fi, then the rendering in your headset is going to be a little bit slow, and that's one of the things that causes nausea. And so, you know, so good connectivity is an absolute, you know, sine qua non for for um, for good metaverse experiences already today. But looking forward, again, this challenge of, you know, the light consumer kind of augmented reality headset, the only way that happens, the only way that works is if the computing that is currently on VR and and the clunky AR headsets, if that Mm -hmm. computing comes off the device and goes somewhere else. And Uh right. And so some of the early Mm -hmm. versions that we're seeing is that device heading onto a smartphone. Smartphones are not big enough, especially when we start talking about integrating generative AI into these things. Um, And so Mm. it needs to go somewhere else again. And that is going to be into the network. And that means we have to really, we as, you know, telecommunications network suppliers um, and standards creators, we need to be able to figure out what those changes are going to be in the network. So one of Nokia's largest focuses right now with other companies is the development of the standard for, wait for it, 6G. 6G is due in about 2030, right? (laughs) And today we're looking at the things that we expect consumer augmented reality headsets to need in terms of connectivity. And we're making sure that the 6G standard actually supports those. There's going to be other things in the 6G standard as well. But um, Nokia and Qualcomm together are two companies that are very heavily invested and dedicated to developing a useful 6G standard to help this stuff all work in the future. 
Yeah. And, and how, how does that tie into uh, Nokia's broader innovation strategy? Would Nokia, for example, consider this as a Horizon 3 activity because it's a decade away? Maybe, but actually, you know, you're investing today. How does that how does that work? No, I, well, the thing is with the, the each G, and G stands for generation, so this is just the sixth generation of mobile technology, um, the work on each G starts 10 years before. So this is normal for us. And so as we're rolling at 1G, we are already working on the next G. And, and generally, um, so, so that means also that each G solves the problems of the generation before. And so when 5G, for example, was being developed, the huge challenge that 4G was facing was everybody was suddenly doing all this video streaming that right. had not been exactly. planned and had not been yeah. expected when 4G was developed 10 years before that. And so 5G, for example, um, in mobile connectivity, there's what's called the downlink, which is the size of the channel that comes to you as an end user. And then there's the uplink, which is the size of the channel for stuff coming away from you. When 5G was being developed, you know, back in kind of 2010, 2011, it was developed with a huge downlink to be able to, to deal with all the video that people were streaming. What was not foreseen was user-created content. <laughs> and, and so the... Right, the cat videos the, of right. today's TikTok. <laughs> of course, all the cats and dogs TikTok and you videos, name it. videos, man. Yeah, yeah, and yeah so, exactly. So the uplink on 5G is, is, is relatively small. Now, if you're streaming right. something asynchronously, asynchronously, like uploading a video to TikTok, yeah, that's okay. You know, that's not gonna... You're not gonna notice that. But if you're doing anything live and if you're doing something, mm -hmm. say, in augmented reality, where you need to be able to read the three-dimensionality of your surroundings and that's that's a pretty complex uh, amount of data there yeah. and then send that up into the cloud for some kind of computation the, the, that uplink is too small so we're addressing that already in 2027 with 5g advanced which is kind of 5.5g mm -hmm. but 6g will really be looking at at that and then of course in 2030 we'll look around i'm sure and we'll go well we didn't foresee this thing and so now it's time to start working on 7g <laughs> It's, an, it's a yeah, okay. it's a recurring that, that, recurring really cycle. Yeah, that, that that's really clear, and that that is, I guess, a very very good way to put it. So, so could could we say that you know Nokia's position is very strong in you know building the infrastructure, improving the infrastructure, six G, and then obviously also you know seven um, G or anything that comes in the future. But right now it's six G, and Nokia considers this as the necessary infrastructure to enable future use cases that could happen in the industrial enterprise, you know, metaverse. And or, especially you know, the consumer metaverse. The industrial, yes. industri to be very clear, industrial and enterprise use cases are 100% adequately catered for by existing technologies. Yeah. 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 It's because you can have that computing okay. in the headset and you can make a clunky headset and that's fine. It's the, it's, and it's okay if it's clunky. It's okay yeah, if it's yeah, clunky yeah, yeah, okay. for consumer where it's not okay if it's clunky. That's where the okay. network needs to get far more involved than today. And that's the change that we need to be making and planning for. Because also the phone companies of the world, you don't just snap your fingers and have a brand new network. It takes, you know, a decade of planning and building right. out to be able to yes, support yes, these yes. things. Of it's course. all very long horizon stuff. Of course, yeah. that, that's super complex. No, uh, exactly. no, no doubt about exactly. that. But that, that's good to hear because I, I've seen, for example, Apple's announcement on the spatial computing headset. And if I were to imagine myself, you know, standing in the kitchen with my kids with a clunky thing on my face, looking through it, seeing my kid, but, you know, with a, I don't know, half a kilogram thing. I, I haven't, you know, tested it yet, but on my face while, you know, um, um, you know cooking 
I'm not sure if this is the you know the 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 goal, but I understand of course this is because of the technology needs to fit in there because most of the processing is still happening in there based on various reasons and then it makes a lot of sense why it was designed the way it was designed and the consumer um, ready thing that's planned for mass adoption is maybe a couple of years away but the idea is to have it just integrated in, you know, simple, non-clunky variable devices. Exactly, okay. exactly. Yeah. And I, yeah. I specifically yeah. talk about an eyeglasses okay. form factor. Um, yeah, yeah. Who knows? It could be something else. This is part of the, like, we don't know what's coming. The same way people in 1993 did not envision the mobile internet at all. Yeah. Um, we don't know what's coming. Right now we're envisioning an eyeglasses form factor. And that's easy for me because I wear glasses. Yeah. <laughs> So it's like, oh yeah, sure, put on glasses. That's natural. But it may end up being something else, um, mm -hmm. you know. So, mm -hmm. so yeah, I, you know, it's 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 very exciting. This future could we're we're at <laughs> and, and and we're at a position where it's so early that anyone who gets involved yeah. in the spatial computing area, the metaverse area, has the opportunity to shape the way it develops. And so, so it's just a really super exciting time. I was just about to ask, so it might be the right time right now to get into it. You're certainly not too late if you're starting right now, um, but others consider it as well. And the more you know, um, evidence and research there is, uh, again, as your EY report, for example, um, obviously is also then making waves and um, pulling others in. Okay, but be before, I, I would like to move on to technology convergence. Because I think there's also some, and, and by the way, you have to tell me how you do, you know, your daily workouts in, in virtual reality. But okay, that's for later. Uh, but before we do that, I let, let's let's play a quick game. Let's play rapid fire round. It's super simple. Uh, the key is speed. I would like to ask you uh, three questions, and you need to answer fast. Like okay, super all, right, fast. all right. Don't overthink. Just fast. Okay, cool. Uh, number one. If you think of the word innovation, what's the first other word that comes to your mind? Inspiration. Why? Um, it's innovation is the fruit of inspiration. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. Okay. 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 That's fair. Okay, cool. That's actually cool. Okay. Number two, <laughs> if you could have dinner with any tech icon in the metaverse, dead or alive, who would it be? Oh, no question. Kevin Kelly. Kevin Kelly. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that was fast. Yeah, he's, he's he wrote an article in Wired magazine. I think it was mm -hmm. February of 2019, and he was talking about the mirror world. I believe was the term he was using, or the mirrorverse, mirror. World. Anyway, that was the first thing that opened my mind to the concept of digital physical fusion, and you know. And um, and just everything he writes um, is gold. Um, his book, oh. The Inevitable, uh, just mm. he looks at what is inevitable based on the way technology has developed so far. And even though that book is a couple years old, he really goes some very interesting places um, that really makes you think. I I try to think as widely as possible. He's 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 just so much so much more all inclusive in his thinking. Extraordinarily inspiring man. And we've talked so much about the future. Uh, this one is for the past. Um, what is one technology you wish would come back? <laughs> well, it's not, not. I'd say not really a technology, but kind of an ideal, which is the idea of technology giving us a much shorter work week. 
<laughs> Which is not, is not happening, happening right I now. know. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. every time not every all. time new technology comes in, if you look at like magazine articles from the 1920s, they're like, and with new household technologies like the vacuum cleaner and the the, the dishwasher, yeah, no. like soon housework will be no. will not be a thing at all. It's like, oh come on, you know. What happens is we humans we keep inventing new work to fill the void. <laughs> yeah, of course. It's the same with generative AI. I mean, obviously. I don't know, ChatGPT can write great business card, birthday cards or business emails and do some analysis, but then you're just asked to do more of that. It's not that you can go home after 25 minutes, but it's great. We just improved your productivity by over 50%. Now you can do more. Do more instead of Exactly. So, and I, yeah. I, think we, I think we need to really, like actually quite seriously, we need to really reevaluate um, you know, what we humans are doing on this planet, you know, both education and work and value creation as a society. Uh, we're we're headed for a major shakeup here. Um, so <laughs> that's, a that's a whole, whole other topic. Of, uh, that's, a, that's a whole nother topic and maybe a different uh, uh, episode uh, on this podcast because of this would take us maybe a half a day to discuss. Um, but I agree. Um, and let's come back to technology convergence. I just mentioned it before. Um, and before we come to technology convergence, tell me, how can you work out in the metaverse? <laughs> it's how does that it's work? just fantastic. So so I have been actually doing all of my daily workout in virtual reality since 2018. So I've been doing it for the last five years. And so the first key thing is that you need to have um, a rubber cover for your VR headset so that your sweat does not okay. get soaked into the padding. That's number one. But um, the, there's a lot of absolutely wonderful applications out there. Um, VR Workout, VZ Fit, uh, Supernatural. Some are, there's availability in different countries, usually due to music licensing. But, but basically, it's, it, you've gamified working out. And for example, Supernatural, which is very much like Beat Saber, where you've got things coming at you and you're trying to hit them with, with swords. Um, but there's uh, trainers and stuff, and it's it's very inspiring. Um, studies have shown that that is the equivalent of playing a match of tennis because it is such an intense workout. And studies have also shown that because you are not focused on your body, and in fact, you can't even see your own body, which is very empowering mm -hmm. for, um, you know... <laughs> You know, as you get older, you get a little more overweight. I don't love seeing my body in the mirror anymore, you know? Sure. And so, so I put on the VR headset, my sure. body's invisible, woohoo! And I'm focused on the game. I'm focused on earning the points. And so I work out far harder than I ever have outside mm -hmm. of um, uh, virtual reality. And, and so one of my favorites, um, VC Fit, um, I, you know, full disclosure, I love this company so much that I invested in them. Um, and so, but they, uh, they have a... Um, you take a sensor and you put it on a pedal of your exercise bicycle that you have at home. And, um, and then they use Google Street View. And on your VR headset, you can cycle down any street in the world that oh, is in I Google see. Street View. And so, yeah, ah, right now I'm doing okay. a 300 kilometer oh. odyssey um, along the Oregon coast. It is just really beautiful. And um, I've cycled across Japan. I've cycled uh, across New Zealand, um, all in VZ Fit. And I've been, I've you know, I've been in the Peruvian Andes. I, yeah, it's just, it's just fantastic. What, what happens if you hit a roadblock? <laughs> well, it's 
Like, can you just go through it? I mean, or, or would you fall over the bike and just, you know, crash the entire application? Uh, no, no, because it's it's based on Google Street View, no. right? And so Google Street View, those cameras, they were taking pictures ah. every 30 meters, I believe. is. Yeah, yeah. And, and so what VZ Fit does is it stitches those together into a continuous streaming experience. Um, and so, so it's actually very funny, uh-huh. yeah, because you see, uh-huh. so, and so the Google car, it only is recording the stuff while it's moving. So, so traffic lights are always green. <laughs> you're always, oh, you're always good. waved through construction sites because it's only what the Google car experienced when it was moving, right? Got yeah. it, got it, got it. Okay, it's pretty cool. That, that is actually pretty cool. It's, it's wonderful, it's wonderful, cool. yeah. And uh, okay, now this is not technology conversions, but that's a nice use case. But now let's, let's come to, finally come to technology conversions. Uh, because I think that that could be, you know, that's interesting. And I guess many of the disruptions in the past also um, were unlocked by actually technology convergence. Um, and now we have quite a few things on the table. We have, you know, metaverse or, you know, spatial computing or VR um, or AR. Uh, we have and, and generative AI. Mm, you mentioned yes. this quite a few times in the beginning. Now, let's blow some minds, right? So so, so how could that work together? And, and what, what is the, what is a vision for the future? The um, Augmented World Expo, which is one of the, the annual conferences that happens in this, in the XR space. Yeah. Um, the, the organizer and the keynote speaker this year, Orion Barr, um, in uh, June, um, he, he got up on stage and he said, look, XR is the interface for AI. And, and that, you know, I, I think, you know, that's, that's the very short form of what we can expect coming up. Um, but I think a, a better way to explain that is one great example is um, in March of this year, so just a few months after ChatGPT came out, a couple of students at Stanford, um, they just, they, they just kind of threw together this thing that they called Riz GPT, which is short for Charisma, so Charisma GPT. Mm-hmm. And, they, and they, just, they just posted it up on Twitter. They just kind of threw it together and put it on Twitter. And it consists of... Um, one guy who's wearing ordinary glasses, but he has a, a little monocle, an AR monocle, a little clip-on thing um, from a company called Brilliant Labs that lets you see AR text content, right, kind of out there in your, in your space. Um, and, and then they put that together, so, and they created, they mocked up a job interview. You know, they were actually just two guys sitting in a Starbucks, but, you know, job interview. Mm. So what, was, what they did was they used, um, so the job interview asks a question. Um, then they use speech-to-text to capture the question, they send it into mm-hmm. ChatGPT, and then ChatGPT comes back with the best possible answer for the interviewee, and then the interviewee gets that in his AR monocle, and then he can read the text. Uh-huh. And so, so yeah. this this starts. This is a hint, a hint of the kind of thing that we're going to be able to see in the future with having, you know, within our visual context and leaving both hands free, real time generative AI contributions to our ability to engage with the world. But I think reading text is actually, this is just the beginning because some of the other things that, um, some of the other products that mm-hmm. Open AI, just OpenAI has, um, they have a, um, an early program called Point E, which allows you to use natural language. And this is the key, since nat- natural language is, is the thing that makes this, opens it up to everybody. Natural language describes something that you want to see digitally in three dimensions, not just two dimensions, like in mid-journey or something, but three dimensions. And then they can actually create it. Like I would, you know, uh, glasses, show me a vase of pink tulips sitting on my table. Voila. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. And so, so the ability to do that right now with AR glasses does not exist yet. However, we have generative yeah. AI, yeah. we have AR glasses, the building blocks are, are, are there for us to put this together. And then much more powerfully is on um, the AI product Codex, which has been out for a couple of years. Again, let's use natural language to describe a computer program that you might be interested in. And so, for example, um, you know, you're walking down the street and you suddenly get an idea for some kind of computer functionality that you didn't have before. So you see a plane in the sky, for example, and and you go like, oh, glasses. Um, Okay, write this program. Every time there is an airplane in the sky in my visual field, um, use my location data and visual analytics on the plane to understand the livery and therefore the airline, and then run that into the mm-hmm. publicly available FlightAware database, and then just print the text of the destination of that plane over the plane every time there's a plane that appears in my visual field. The end. You know, thank you. And, and so the ability for all of us to create applications and new functionality on the fly Again, doesn't mm-hmm. exist yet, mm-hmm. but the building blocks to make that happen are there. And, and so this yeah. is why our industry yeah. is like, XR is the interface for AI. Yeah, understood. Okay, this is a perfect example of technology convergence. Yes. For example, generative AI, um, NLP, uh, natural language processing, maybe also generation. Um, you could also talk to that and get also voice back instead of only text back for sure. Um, plus, plus the other stuff. Okay, that, that's that's great upsides. Now let's talk about some risks and challenges associated with that. Because sure, I mean that's has great upside potential, but what what could be some of the downsides and some of the more nasty and dirty stuff? Oh yeah, we're gonna have to be so careful with people's personal data, um, and their, their uh-huh. security and their privacy, and there will need to be you know limits. You know we can't have. Um, Things like people saying, okay, Glasses, write me a program that automatically friends me on Facebook, you know, does visual, mm-hmm. visual analytics of everybody I pass in the street and then friends me on Facebook. Mm-hmm. You, know, th- you know, no, we can't, we have to like make sure we don't do that kind of intrusive stuff. Mm-hmm. And the problem is that, you know, as always, the path to hell is paved with good intentions. Um, I was talking to a company recently and they were so excited about the idea of, um, uh, using so in virtual reality in enterprise training scenarios, being able to use the user-facing cameras to detect the emotion of the people as they're actually doing their work tasks to make sure that they are satisfied, happy little employees. <laughs> you know, that's the kind of thing. You must be I know. kidding. Well, that's the kind of thing where it's like, oh, well, okay. Except the problem is, Maybe not. I know, I know. You know, I, I, I went through a divorce, you know, 25 years ago. Um, there were plenty yeah. of days at work where I was not happy and it had nothing to do yeah, with work. Yeah, 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 and, yeah, exactly. and do I want HR like tracking my happiness or unhappiness at work? Absolutely not. <laughs> so, yeah, so... We have to be care- we have to be careful and totally open. And any time, because the people who were thinking about that really did the other. They want to make happy little employees, right? Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so we have to be super, super vigilant, and and call these things out when we see them. Silence equals consent. And so you know you have to you know if somebody is giving you a pitch. You ha- you you can't just go, uh-huh, uh-huh, and then later down the pub with your friends go, oh, can you believe what this company's doing? At the time, you have to say, no, that's a problem. And, and we all have to raise our voices here. And 
Happily, the people who are working on spatial internet today are very focused on inclusivity and privacy and all of the positive things. Doesn't mean there's not going to be mistakes. Doesn't mean there's not going to be bad actors. But but raising voices and and listening to the concerns of others um, is actually going to be a really key part of making sure that we you know that this whole potential fabulous industry isn't overtaken by trolls. You know that's uh, that's that's the thing we have to watch out for. Yeah, yeah, understood. That's a risk. And if I just were to think about Germany and how Germany handles privacy and, and data, probably Germany might be one of the last countries to really pick this technology up. But again, that's for another discussion. Um, <laughs> if, if we yeah, look that's at interesting. internet and social media, I think you're, yeah, yeah. The, the precedent is there. You know. um, but, you know, it's, 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 and actually that's a, that's a really good point because every culture um, advances at different rates with these things. And, um, Every culture puts the fences in different places, and um, and you know, and different subjects have different fences, and and when we have new technologies, unfortunately, we don't know where the cliff's edge is on some of these things until someone has gone over the cliff, and then we're like, right, that's where the cliff edge was. We need to put the fence there. So there, you know, mistakes will be made, and but I, I personally, you know, think that it's it's good to have the German model as the model of caution, because um, at the same time, we're going to have other places that are going to be the model of uncaution. <laughs> so. Of course, of course, this will happen. This is in inevitable. I, I, I agree. Uh, Leslie, let's wrap this up. I mean, I, I could probably spend a couple of more hours discussing the use cases and the benefits, but let's uh, let's let's start wrapping this up. Um, two more questions. One would be. Tell me about three, you know, really, really key and actionable recommendations that you would want listeners to take away uh, from this episode and everything we have discussed. Um, if you haven't tried virtual reality or augmented reality experiences, go out there and try them. Um, those of us who are in this industry, when we get questions, we, we kind of laugh because we can instantly tell. <laughs> If the people have actually tried these technologies or not, because the level of questions is completely different. What I said before, you know, what came out in our survey about how these 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 technologies are magic and they exceed expectations in every case, hundred percent. And it's it's very hard to express until you've actually tried it. So so go out there and and try because you're not going to know what these technologies can do for you personally or your own company or your customers until you have actually experienced them yourself and, and, and can see like, oh, wait, this actually solves a particular problem we have. You know, oh, we, you know, and, and, and so, yeah, it's, it's, I can't answer that for you. Only you can answer it by actually trying the experiences. Another thing that I would look at uh, or that I would suggest is um, this is the time, as I said, of building. This is the time mm -hmm. to patent ideas. If you have an idea for an AR or a VR um, application or, you know, new use, get that patent in. <laughs> These are super early formative days. This is really the, the, the beginning. Um, and, and then the last is, um, I really recommend VR fitness. <laughs> so the subset of try it is go out and try VR fitness. You may never go back to the gym. You may not. So, so okay, that's cool. So the 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 core recommendation is just you know try it, just try it out for yourself. See what's possible. See what's not possible. But get yourself 
uh, you know, immersed into that and really understand what this is about. Okay, well, that's great. I think not many, not too many people actually did that. Um, might be a great experience. And there is lots of opportunities to do so, um, right? So there's, just go ahead and do so. Okay, and uh, Leslie, your, let's say, yeah, your greatest innovation rockstar moment in your professional career so far. Tell me about that. What was um, it? Back in October of 2021, I... Um uh, I did a LinkedIn, uh, well, actually, no, I presented at a conference. It was a virtual conference, and I, it was for a Polish film festival. I'm not really sure how they got my name, but they did, and, I, you know, and they, they asked me to speak on the metaverse because it was really early days, and Mark Zuckerberg had just you know, changed the company name. Everybody wants to know what it is. So I put together a presentation, and then the conference put that um, on LinkedIn, my presentation, and a publisher saw it, and, and then they contacted me and they said, we like how you talk about the metaverse. We think you speak about it in very clear, clear words. And um, we would like you to write a book. And I, it had never occurred to me ever in my life to write a book. But um, I did. And so, and it is now out in the marketplace. Um, it's called Interconnected Realities. It's available on Amazon. Mm -hmm. and, um, and I have also written a second book, which gets into the whole social uses and the changes mm -hmm. that these technologies are going to bring about, particularly driven by young people. And that one's called Virtual Natives, and that one comes out in September. So everybody get this book. Um, pretty interesting. Interconnected Realities, the first one, and the second one, sure, is soon to be released. I'm pretty sure you will post about this. Oh, definitely, too. definitely. And the second one I wrote with, I wrote with um, Catherine Henry um, and the two of uh -huh. us together. We had, uh -huh. we had great fun um, exploring the worlds of basically people 25 yeah. and under and seeing how different they are <laughs> from the way that we've lived our lives and grown up. Um, there's going to, there are huge changes afoot and they are going to be led by this cohort of mm. people who are currently 25 and younger. Will there be an audiobook too? Yes, yes. Uh, uh, yes. yes. Yeah, Interconnected Audible. Realities is available on Audible. Ah, good to know, because I, I love to listen to books. <laughs> All right. Uh, well, but, but in any ways, great rock story moment. Uh, congratulations, uh, Leslie. That's pretty cool. And yeah, that's it for this episode. Uh, Leslie, again, thanks so much for being my guest uh, on this episode. It was a pleasure to listen to that. So everybody who's not familiar with VR, AR, XR, Metaverse, Spatial Computing, you name it, you get it. Leslie was pretty clear. Try it out for yourself and then, you know, come back on the discussion table and maybe have a good discussion around that. Thanks for being here. Thank you so much, Chris. This was a great conversation. And uh, to everybody listening or watching, if you enjoyed this episode, then simply leave us a comment on this episode or drop us an email. The email address is info at innovationrockstars.show. That's it. Thanks for listening. Take care and bye-bye. That was innovation rock star Leslie Shannon, Nokia's head of trend and innovation scouting, talking about use cases for the metaverse in business and industry. We'd love to hear your thoughts on this episode. Don't hesitate to reach out to us at info at innovationrockstars.show with your feedback, comments, or questions. And if you're hungry for more inspiring innovation stories, be sure to check out our website at www.itonicsinnovation.com slash podcast or browse through our Innovation Rockstars channel on all major podcast platforms. <laughs>